DiscerningHearts.com presents The Life of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Vildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Europe. He's the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with the Little Prince, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius serves as the prior of St. Anselmo's in Rome, The Life of St. Benedict. With Father Mauritius Fildi, I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Mauritius. Thank you for having me, Chris. We continue in the journey of learning more about the life of St. Benedict. Yes. We looked already at his journey, the first steps he had to do. He studied in Rome. He found the city disgusting in the study, so he retired from there, went away, and actually he went away from the will of his father, from his father's desire to study and to live there and to make a career. No, he said, in prayer he learned, I have rather to follow God the Father. So he went away, and his nurse accompanied him, but then at a certain point she made a mistake, and uh, a sieve, a tray, uh, uh, dropped from the table, and he, in his innocence and purity prayed over it and caused a miracle so the sif was uh, was whole again and everybody came and praised benedict look that is his first miracle and everybody was amazed and but then he found hmm i don't like this amazement i don't want to have this praise from the world i rather want to seek god in solitude so he went away from his nurse that was kind of the second step of letting go not only the fatherly realm but also uh, the maternal side he sneaked away actually secretly uh, because he didn't want to to hurt his nurse because she was so loving so this is where we are at the moment in in our journey and i would like to read the next next passage at Subiaco, Benedict made his home in a narrow cave and for three years remained concealed there unknown to anyone except the monk Romanus who lived in a monastery close by under the rule of Abbot Deodatus. With fatherly concern, this monk regularly set aside as much bread as he could from his own portion. Then, from time to time, unnoticed by his abbot, he left the monastery long enough to take the bread to Benedict. There was no path leading from the monastery down to his cave on account of a cliff that rose directly over it. To reach him, Romanus had to tie the bread on the end of a long rope and lower it over the cliff. A little bell attached to the rope let Benedict know when the bread was there, and he would come out to get it. The ancient enemy of mankind grew envious of the kindness shown by the older monk in supplying Benedict with food, and one day, as the bread was being lowered, he threw a stone at the bell and broke it. Yet in spite of this, Romanus kept on with his faithful service. We see Benedict here in the cave, a very formative time for his life. We could call it the novitiate of Benedict. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be with God alone. 
not directed by the father, not directed by the mother, not taken care of by the earthly father and mother, just be taken care of by God and nobody else. This is what a novice is about. You know, he wants to experience God fully, entirely. And then there was this wonderful monk, Romanus, who was kind of disobedient, interesting. He was, this is what we call creative disobedience. So he went away from his monastery in order to supply Benedict. And, but it was for the sake of Benedict and, and, and the kingdom of God. So he brought him something to eat. And he had this very discreet and nice way. Uh, he lowered this, this basket with spaghetti, or I don't know what, <laughs> what Benedict uh, Uh, wanted to eat or what Romanus would send him to eat. And then there was this little bell uh, that indicated to Benedict, oh, Romanus is here, it's lunchtime. <laughs> And then something happens. Again, something happens unexpectedly. The ancient enemy grew envious. So who is the ancient enemy? As you can imagine, it's probably the devil. It's the devil. So as, as I was meditating on this whole scene, I was thinking, what about this ancient enemy? What does this mean that Gregory the Great names him the ancient enemy? And what, what actually happened at this moment? So I was thinking, who was throwing, throwing the stone. Who threw the stone? Most of the people who read this passage would say, certainly it was the devil. The devil, he threw the stone. But I kept thinking, who threw the stone? The question is how we imagine the devil. If you imagine him like a, a, a little man, kind of maybe with horns and Maybe he stinks a little bit and had yellow clothes. I don't know <laughs> how we imagine the devil. Hmm. Who threw the stone? And then finally I got the answer. Benedict threw the stone. He threw the stone. Why? Because he thought, I don't need this food anymore. I don't need anybody in my life anymore not even romanos i don't need any help you know the bell was the symbol of communication a very tender way to indicate romanos's coming romanos this monk respected the solitude of benedict he didn't want to interfere he didn't want to invade this is why he stood outside and lowered the basket And just rang the bell. So nothing against Romanus. But still, for Benedict, at that point, it was just too much. He, he thought, I don't need this help. I don't need father. I don't need mother. I don't need anything. God alone suffices. Mm, right, so, but you still should eat. Think about if Benedict would have stopped eating would have died. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe this reminds you on the story when Jesus was in the desert and was tempted by the devil. Oh, why don't you eat the stones? Oh my goodness, if Jesus would have eaten the stones. Oh, why don't you jump from the pinnacle of the temple? Jump down. Oh my goodness, if Jesus would have jumped, he would have been dead. This is what the devil wants. He wants to see us dead. He wants to kill us. So, again, it certainly was Benedict who threw the stone motivated by the devil because he had the illusion he could live without any connection to the world. Total solitude, total uh, detachment. And this is just not right. This is not what God really wanted him to do. That was inspired by the devil. Wonderfully, the monk Romanus, the experienced monk, continues to bring the bread. You know, He was not upset about this because he probably knew this is a stage Benedict has to go through. This is part of his novitiate. So what we learn here is that Benedict at this point had to become detached from the fixation of detachment. As a monk, you can become a little bit crazy. You think you don't need anybody. You can restrain from everything. <laughs> I remember, uh, maybe this is a legend, but uh, if so, it's a good one. Uh, I remember that it was told that one of the the monks in our monastery in the past, when he made his final profession, he thought there wouldn't be a need anymore to go to the restroom because he he would be so holy, so, you know, mm. this is along the same lines. So mm -hmm. you don't have a need to eat, you don't have a need to, to release, you don't have a need uh, to visit with other people. No, God has created us in a different way. We, we, we remain to be needy, needy people. Our basic needs have to be covered, and also our need for communication. Even if solitude is the main place for the monk, this is where he should be, you cannot be totally alone. You need other people. There at least has to be somebody like Romanus, who in a very uh, careful way, keeps the connection, keeps going the communication. If you cut off yourself from communication totally, you will die. But Benedict had to test this out. He had to go to the limits and, and, and even beyond. And again, another point where he had to learn something on his journey. He was not as holy as we imagined as you could imagine when you read the first sentences of this biography written by Greg, uh, Gregory the Great. At that point, Benedict went too far. He wanted to cut off all connections with all the world. This would have been his death. And by the grace of God, God inspired this monk to continue to supply for Benedict. We'll return to The Life of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Vildi in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app where you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? 
Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John S. of Deacon James Keating, Father Donald Haggerty, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more. They're all available on the free Discerning Hearts app. Over 3,000 spiritual formation programs and prayers, all available to you with no hidden fees or subscriptions. Did you also know that you can listen to Discerning Hearts programming wherever you download your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, even on Audible, as well as numerous other worldwide podcast streaming platforms. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has a YouTube channel? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts Catholic Podcasts, dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. In the Holy Rule, St. Benedict, you have said, Listen, O my son, to the precepts of the Master, and incline the ear of your heart, and cheerfully receive and faithfully execute the admonitions of your loving Father, that by the toil of obedience you may return to him from whom by the sloth of disobedience you have gone away. To you, therefore, my speech is now directed, who, giving up your own will, Take up the strong and most excellent arms of obedience to do battle for Christ the Lord, the true King. O Holy Father St. Benedict, pray for us. Amen. Hi, this is Chris McGregor here to encourage you to check out the show notes for essential highlights, study and reflection questions, and additional resources for this episode you're listening to right now. They're offered to you freely by discerning hearts. We hope you'll take this opportunity to study for yourself or to share it with a group. And if you have any questions, concerns, or ideas, be sure to leave the comments in the comm section of this particular posting. Now, back to our program. We now return to The Life of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Fildi. Boy, there was a couple of really strong things there. I mean, immediately when you were telling the story in making the connection that it would be Benedict that would throw the rock, but through a temptation of the devil, it sounds so much like what happened in the garden when the, the Leviathan, essentially that, that the serpent said to entice, to well, certainly go ahead and take this. You would be like God. You know, and so she took with the one thing that she was not to touch. But, mm-hmm. it, and so often I've heard it said that that spirit, ultimately, that that first sin would be envy. It was envy that is the, was the, the one that led to the downfall. And here, here is the spirit of envy that destroys that bell. And I mean, that, that in itself is very provocative. Yes, it is. The temptation is to to desire to become like God. As a monk, you can have this temptation. I think as as a Christian in general, and um, it's a dangerous thing. And you can only pray that you have people around you who who confront you and help you to understand your limits and to learn humility. Yeah, it would seem as though there was also uh, tied with that uh, the spirit of envy that there would have to be the anger, 
and anger to such an extent that you would pick up a rock and throw it. It could have been all those things playing into that moment and tempting Benedict that, mm-hmm. you know, led to that explosion. Mm-hmm. But then, mm-hmm. um, but because of that, the faithfulness of Romanus of just continuing to come, that in, in having communication and having communion, Mm-hmm. It's about it's about that ultimately, isn't it? It's that that's what we're we are meant to be people of communion. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, I'm still with this envy. We kind of envy God that He is God, and I think this is a specific temptation for religious and for people who are who want to be very close to God. This is a lesson for all people who are tempted to be extremists in religion. You can love God so much, so much, so much that you lose this fine border. Where is God and where am I? And this is what St. Benedict has to learn at this point that he is only a human being and that only by the grace of God he is full of God. He is only a fragile vessel, a limited vessel that receives the grace of God in the same way as he receives this bucket with bread, this bread that is life-giving. And as you said, Our deepest nature is communication and communion. In the same way as the Holy God in himself as a trinity is communication and communion, he wants to extend this communion and communication to us. The deepest way to experience this is the sacrament of the Eucharist. But even in any kind of nurturing gesture, in any kind of meal, we can experience this. And if we want to do too much of fasting, of restraining, um, if we become too radical in our spirituality, then um, this is a blasphemy, actually. So this, again, this story teaches us about not to be extremists, not to be not to do too much in our spirituality. There is a point when people are too holy, too religious, too spiritual. You might think, how can I be too holy? Yes, there is a point where you can be too holy. These are people you cannot, they don't listen anymore. They think they are like God. And this can happen to all of us. And it's very dangerous because when you think you are like God, you really lose track on this earth and uh, be, uh, beside the fact that you that is a blasphemy because only God is God, it can become dangerous for you. So what we need as a complement is community. This is why the monks finally live together and not only in a cave. Uh, only very few are called to do this as hermits, but most of the monks as Cenobites live together in community exactly to be Romanos for the other person to protect us 
from going astray in a too radical way in our spirituality. I think that is real key when you were speaking of, uh, in essence, a spiritual gluttony, because, and that I would think is a offshoot of envy as well, because it no longer becomes about what God may want for me and coming to know him, but it's controlling, I want more, I want, and it becomes the ego, doesn't it? More so than the emptying of self and detaching. Very much so, exactly. It's only about me, then, and not about God. Um, the Benedictine response to this is moderation. Nothing too much, nothing in excess. So when you read the Holy Rule of St. Benedict, you have this. You should eat, but not too much. You can drink, but not too much. It's good to sleep, but not too much. Even it's good to pray, but not too much, because uh, St. Benedict uh, regulates, as you know, the times for prayer. So there's sometimes there have to be an end <laughs> in prayer. Then you should rather work, but you shouldn't work too much. You can do everything in excess, and this is not healthy, and this is not what God wants us to do. That he would experiences three-year period at Supiaco, that it was something that was particular for Benedict, so much so as a founder, that it was an experience that he would not have as a part of the holy rule a normative process of uh, uh, the spiritual experiences or exercises, as it were, for those who would come after him. Absolutely. And this pertains for all the steps in his life. Um, think about detachment from his father and uh, the patrimony. Um, here he learned for his later life, and, and he became able to later on teach his monks and his disciples what, it, what does it mean, spiritual fatherhood and to be detached from the earthly father, spiritual fatherhood. This is He learned to become a father at that point. The same with the maternal side, when he became detached from his nurse, um, he learned to be motherly <laughs> for his monks. He really takes care and nurtures his monks as an abbot later on the Monte Cassino. And as you said, this pertains to this scene as well. This kind of moderation he learned exactly at that point, uh, he learned that um, he should be careful not to uh, mistake himself for God. And when we look into church's history, we see that all divisions mm -hmm. came because of this, because people went too far in their spirituality, in their convictions, Uh, and then identified themselves with God and thought, this is what the church is supposed to be, should be. So if no, no negotiation, no communication is more possible with the other members of the church, this means division, and this means to split the church. So I think uh, if you 
if you haven't reached a maturity in this area, you are in danger uh, not to build up the church, but to split the church. Because you say, in a self-righteous way, this is what we have to do, this is what you should do. Hmm, how do I know? I should pray hard and then I can gently and respectfully converse with the others, but I never should act like God, kind of owning the truth and imposing them on everybody. So this moderation, we should really also pertain to our own spirituality. That does not mean I would uh, uh, um, call here for becoming mediocre. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's a very radical journey that St. Benedict does. It's not mediocre at all. But again, in an extreme is not really radical. An extreme is still, you are still occupied with yourself, detached with yourself, detached with your ideas, and then we call it, this is an ideology, and that is not the true faith that the Church has taught us and Jesus wants um, to convey to us. Other aspects of this particular experience? I would like to share with you a verse of the rule of St. Benedict in chapter 4, Verses 42-43, St. Benedict says, If you notice something good in yourself, give credit to God, not to yourself. But be certain that the evil you commit is always your own and yours to acknowledge. I must tell you, I hated this, this sentence over, over years because I thought, what kind of image of the human being is this? To contribute the good to God and the bad and the evil to myself? My goodness, that, that, is, that is terrible, I thought. But as I continued to meditate on the sentence, I really found it is so true. It is so true. You should, when you find something good in yourself, you should contribute this to God. That was God's gift. If you find something evil, don't blame the devil for it. <laughs> Blame yourself for it, because it's your choice. We are talking about a mature faith at the moment. We must be aware of the fact there is only the reality of God, and there is my choice if I turn away from him or turn to him. It gives us the responsibility for our lives and for our freedom and for our faith. There are saints and and others in the in the church and the teachings of the church that I've seen that speaks of opening a door. We make the choice to open the door, particularly to the the spirit of 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 say the temptation or whatever it is that. It, it, it becomes ours because we've made the choice to allow that to come into our lives. Maybe because of a, uh, unwittingly, uh, because mm -hmm. of a brokenness, a pain, a wound, or mm -hmm. something like that. But we've allowed it in, and then it wreaks havoc mm -hmm. in our lives. So it, as you have taught us before, at, as far as fighting the demons, that 
the desert fathers had to realize that you have to be able to like Christ in the desert, that you have to name the spirit that is there and then use the word to vanquish it. Mm-hmm. Is that make is is that what it, Benedict is essentially going through then in, in this struggle in this time alone in Supiaco? Absolutely, I think so. And at this point, he was not ready and not mature enough to see that he had let the devil into his heart. This is why he still needed Romanos. Later, there will be a point, and we will um, talk about this, when he really will be able to live by himself without a mentor, without a novice master. But at this point, he was not aware of his weakness. As you said, maybe because of he was vulnerable or he was just weak or not un- was just not attentive. For any reason, he, let, he would let get this devil in, devil of envy and so on. But um, thanks to God that Romanus was there and he saved him. Thank you so much, Father Mauritius. You're very welcome. You've been listening to The Life of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Feldy. To hear and or to download this program, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. Most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Life of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Fildee.